Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This six-question podcast brings together high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and, most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash. And into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. I don't know what you've been told. The views we have are all our own. Yes, we serve the DOD. But my opinions come from me. I am so stoked to have my next guest on. Ashley McKeon, I've known since elementary school and how our paths have no cross being in the army together is absolutely wild. But let's talk about Ashley. Ashley is a United States Army captain, active duty scientist and fitness enthusiast extraordinaire. She is formerly a sleep research scientist at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. Currently, she is the chief of research as the directorate of physiological applications at Fort Bragg. She is one of the most passionate people I know when it comes to sleep and how that affects your behavior and performance, especially when it comes to soldiers and veterans. She has written extensively on this and actually dedicated her life to it and how she got into the army. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But she really wants to hone in on how mission performance and well-being in the military operation is really impacted through sleep and combat exposure to service members and their risk for PTSD and traumatic brain injuries. When we say Ashley has been in Pittsburgh, she spent almost a decade in Pittsburgh getting all of her degrees, her neuroscience degree, bachelor's degree in 2010, and then stayed there for her doctorate all the way up until 2017, where she then direct commissioned afterwards into the Army. Ashley, welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. Thank you for having me. God, you made me sound way cooler than I am. Trust me. (laughs) <laughs> my mouth hurt from saying all of that in all the I'm right old. ways because I was smiling. I know I'm <laughs> smiling so hard because I remember being in like middle school with you in like fifth grade uh, in Buffalo, just like just getting into trouble and just doing, you know, little kid things. Yeah. Um, Where we were like the ones people were worried about. They're like, these two are right. bad apples. We're like, <laughs> yep. Yep. And look at us now. And now we are. <laughs> yeah. I have butterflies in my stomach because I just think this is such a beautiful thing in our friendship to be able to share. I mean, you talked about, yeah, our world's kind of converging and both of us ending up serving our country through the United States Army. And it's just, uh, it's beautiful because I watched you start your career and, and, and start moving through it well before I came in. But the fact that we have this thing now in our friendship, this, this common ground in our, in our friendship to share, and we get to do something crazy like this, do a podcast together, just warms my heart and I'm seriously have little butterflies. It's pretty, it's dope. <laughs> I've been counting down the days till we had this, had this conversation because I couldn't be more excited. So from when you came into the military, 
which what has it been Th- three years coming up on now? three years i'm fresh coming up on three years that is why so you direct commission talk about the direct commission process real quick how did that kind of all worked so yeah i mean it was a it was a decently long process but it was something i knew i wanted to do as i was you know working towards my degrees at the university of pittsburgh and we i'm sure we'll get into that a little more but it was something i knew i wanted to do but um because I was working with the military already in my civilian career, I had a little bit of knowledge about what that process looked like. And you needed your PhD to commission to be a research psychologist in the army. So as soon as I got that PhD, I started, you know, I I just, honestly, it's kind of a funny story. I, to me, it felt really normal. I just walked into the AMED, the medical recruiter's office in the city of Pittsburgh, because to me, that was the first step. You know, you go meet with a recruiter and and you figure it out. And I walked in and they all laughed at me. It was a group of um, staff sergeants and sergeant first classes. And I, I walked in and I'm like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm interested in becoming a 71 Foxtrot in the Army, my PhD from the University of Pittsburgh, blah, blah, blah. And they just busted out laughing. They're like, sorry. They're like, it's not every day that like someone with a PhD just walks in and goes, hey, I'm ready to join the Army now. And I didn't know why it was funny, but it was. <laughs> so... Yeah, I just started the process. There's a packet that I had to put together, and then it's a lot of it's a lot of hurry up and wait. So I scrambled to put this packet together to get ready for the board, and had to wait for that board to convene. And actually, really ironically, while I submitted right after I submitted my packet, I got recruited by Walter Reed to bring my research um, to Walter Reed Army Institute of Research as a contractor. I thought, well, you know already in the process of trying to commission sounds like a great first step into that world a little closer to, to bring my research there on the contractor side. Um, so I did that. And while I spent that year waiting for my packet to get reviewed and, and going through all of those steps, I was working at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research as a, as a contractor um, doing research. So then when I was accepted, I was kind of already there um, and I knew where I was going to be stationed. I was going to be back at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. So it, it served as a nice segue. So yeah, I commissioned, I was, I was 29 when I commissioned. So I felt really old, but. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're not now you're, now you're a captain about, you know, promotable. Uh, which yeah, is hopefully, super soon. Exciting. hopefully soon. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It's, it's coming. So what, what would you say is one thing you've implemented daily since coming in to the military, which you say is kind of late, but it's never too late to start. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's really the, one of the really amazing things about the the military is you learn these foundational principles that can really apply anywhere. Um, whether it's, it doesn't have to be military life. It certainly could be if you had a civilian career, um, in your personal life. I think one thing that I probably didn't subscribe to or really know how to think about early on, but I certainly think about it every day now is they always say work within the system you have not within the system you wish you had um and i think for a long time in my adult life i had that sense of well i wish things were like this why can't the system be like this or a process be like this instead and certainly we need we need change sometimes change isn't always bad we need people to think that way um but there's a lot of times where you need to get the job done and you can't control every single factor around you. You have to say, this is what it is right now, this process, this system, and I'm going to insert myself in this and I'm going to, whatever task is at hand to the absolute best of my ability within the parameters I'm working with. 
Um, because if you find yourself in that trap of thinking too much about what well, I wish it was like this, would be different. This is, isn't as efficient as it can be. Think about all that time you're seeing doing that when in reality you could be channeling those efforts to figure out how to move the needle forward um, with the system you do have. So I don't think I was the best at that um, when I first came into the military. Um, but now it's something that I think about daily. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we can talk about change. We can talk about iteration. But what can I do right now with what I have to be 1% better? So I definitely think that's something I look I look to every day to, to guide me. That's awesome. Like to, to, to be able to kind of take that away, you know, only for being in for like a short amount of time and looking at the long-term vision of how you're moving the needle consistently, I, I think is huge. Would you say that you had kind of nodes of that growing up or is there some like book or course or communication or someone that really like kind of greatly influenced your life to bring you there? Or is that something that was like a self-discovery? You know, I, I'd like to say, I wish I had a better answer for that specifically, but I'd like to say that sometimes you just hear things the right way from the right person and it, and it clicks. Certainly at, in areas of my life, I've always been somebody that's asked, you know, why? Why is something like this? I've always been someone that wanted to know how processes work, how a system works. But I don't think it ever really clicked to me that sometimes that can be a barrier if you sit in that place for too long. It can be a barrier to actually taking action, actually producing something moving forward. But I just think it was the right person saying it to me in the right way. And this person in particular that said that to me was someone that had a lot of credibility with me. Somebody that was well-experienced officer in the military, somebody that served as one of my first mentors. And by the time he had said this to me, he had already had a track record with me of really being very realistic with me because he had been in the army for so many years. Here I was coming in with just, you know, I've been in the army five minutes effectively at that point. Right. Yeah. And he always had these really realistic lessons about Things aren't perfect, right? But how do you keep moving forward with a system that is imperfect or has room for improvement? Because if you sit in that place, you're never going to find that perfect. Nothing's perfect. It's always got room for improvement. It's always got room for change. And you can be the person. He was really flat straight up with me. He's like, you can be the person that keeps asking the why can't this be this way person. But unless you're going to counteract that on the other side of the teeter totter teeter totter and also be an agent of change. You're never going to go anywhere. You're going to sit in that spot. And I just think it was the, it worked for me. It was the realistic way that he painted that picture that I realized, oh, wow, there has to be some kind of balance here. You can't always just spin on a hamster wheel. You have to move forward. Um, So I, I would definitely say that that is where that came from. But to answer your question more about kind of you know, life lessons or kind of books or things that have impacted me in a significant way. You know, we, we, you mentioned this kind of previously and I thought about it. Um, and to me, so I don't know if you've ever read any books by or listened to Brene Brown's podcast or her work. But, so she has, I don't know if you've ever read The Gifts of Imperfection. No. But it kind of leads into this, right? This, this perfection that people strive for. They always want everything to line up so nicely. and. It never does, right? So she's got this one particular chapter in the books of imperfection. It's about rest and play. 
and the importance of those two things to live a holistic life. And I originally poo-pooed this chapter because I was like, oh, rest, play, uh, I'll rest when I die kind of <laughs> approach. Right. But, yeah. you know, I, I read it and I realized I read it at the appropriate time in my life. I read it probably last year. I was ready to receive this information and I definitely wouldn't have been five years ago or so before the military. But she really talks about from a holistic sense, if you don't make time for, let's start with rest, you know, rest isn't the same as sleep. Rest is giving yourself free time or time to recharge. Play is kind of the opposite of that where it's, you're recharging, but you are engaging in something that is meaningful to you outside of productivity, outside of work, um, and how important those things are for you to be better at your job, for you to be a better partner, father, mother, brother, sister, um, officer, whatever it is. And it really struck me because I thought back to when I was in academia, getting my, my master's, my PhD, my postdoc, and I was afraid of those things, like deeply afraid of those things. I worked myself into the ground completely to burnout. I can confidently say completely to burnout. And I was afraid that the time that I would spend resting, the time I would spend engaging in play was lost time being productive, lost time working towards a new skill or um, completing a task. And I was going to be behind the curve if I didn't keep myself in that rat race. And it wasn't until I hit that full burnout where it really shook me to my core to say like every day that passes by that I do this is, is honestly one day less in my life that I'm going to enjoy. And I had to really think about it. I couldn't put the pieces together really until I, I read that book and that particular chapter. But now it's, it's something that I actually have students that I mentor read or I, I rest that they read. Um, friends of mine that are kind of on a similar path because it really speaks volumes, I think, to this um, live to work kind of culture that we have. So that's definitely something that hit me really hard, again, in kind of the right way that um, I continue to take with me, for sure. That is so insightful, um, that work play balance, but also being able to receive information at the right time, at the right place. And like, actually, because you can hear it you know, how many times over and over again, and it just doesn't, it doesn't slap as some yeah. would say. Um, yeah, it didn't. Right. But it hit different at that time. It, yeah. It just, <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you already followed the trajectory of where I was going with that one. I love it. <laughs> it we're, we're already on the same wavelength. Yeah. I love it. It does. Cause that's not the first time in my life. Someone said those things to me, surely not the first time in my life. So then, you know, being mindful of, being there in the moment and making sure you have time for rest, work and play. What would you say is one skill that you are currently working on and trying to improve? So it's really funny. I'll, I'll, I'll disclose very transparently. I immediately went something work related. Cognitively, I am me. So it's like, I have to keep, I have to still work every day to kind of undo it. I went to something work related and I was going to tell you how I uh, am starting hopefully in the fall to work on a master's degree um, in computer programming. <laughs> now sure that's a skill that's a skill but it's not it's not rest or play right so i meet right those automatic thought processes yeah, yeah. i immediately went there so let's we'll use this as an exercise let's remove that 
what is something, a skill? Um, so I recently, you're probably going to be like, what? That's not been historically Ashley would do. Um, I am a new kayak fisher. Yes, I am fishing. I'm learning how to what? fish now. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, city learning how to fish for bass. Uh, big mouth bass, right? Big mouth bass. Yeah, big mouth bass. Yeah, Billy, the one that used to be on the wall that would pop out and like yeah, that you know, guy. Sing song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the equip. That's the closest I've been to fishing until now. <laughs> right. But that's a new skill, and it's man, it has really blown my mind at everything that goes into being a good fisherman. So yeah. that's something that I'm I'm diving into pretty heavily now. I've got the kayaks, got the fishing poles, all the bait, and I'm gonna catch some fish this summer. <laughs> and that's one of the like that's such a cool thing it, when it comes to fishing is like there's so many different variables that go into like you got to be able to understand what the water looks like to the fish to then put in the right lure to then you know find the spot. Oh my god, it's it's fascinating. And you're doing this all in a kayak. Yeah. Oh yeah, that just throws it. It's like yeah, absolutely. The kayak part of it, I'm like, I'm either gonna catch this fish or I'm gonna fall out of this kayak. One of these things is gonna happen. Yeah. But you are right. There's so much. I mean, even scientifically, that goes into it, where you're studying weather patterns, you're studying seasons, any time of the day, and then you're learning about the specific type of fish and you know what how they feed. Um, and it, it's really fascinating. But it is a whole new area for me. So when I think of a skill that's in that rest or play uh, category, that that's where I'm at this summer. Going to be a fisherman. I I can't wait to see you just dropping pictures on pictures. I'm doing the photo dump on Instagram of just you and all your big mouth bass. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to catch my first fish. It's probably going to be a total accident. I'm going to catch this fish. I'm going to totally flip out. I'm going to fall out of the kayak. Like yep. that's exactly how it's going to go down. Oh yeah. <laughs> Make sure you have your phone in a waterproof case because yeah, that would, same thing would happen. <laughs> to me. So yeah, when I think of this, that, that to me is a skill that stands out that I'm, uh, I'm looking at in the near term. You are right. I did not expect that, but I'm so stoked to hear. Yeah. Right. About I knew it was going to blow you, your mind. Yeah, it did. You, you know me well. You thought it was going to be like linking muscle ups. Right. <laughs> Some CrossFit yeah. thing. Uh, we talked about the last five years just being this like wild ride going from, you know, academia to be like, hey, let's go into the army. And here you are crushing it. Um, what, and we, we've already kind of talked about this, some new behaviors and habits. Um, is there anything else that you've really like kind of taken away that has really drastically improved your life? You know, one thing that stands out, and this is definitely something that's very military linked. I'm sure you've, you've read about this and probably a lot of your listeners actually is. And again, I'll say for me, this was a very light bulb kind of moment. And for many people, maybe it's not, but for me, it transparently was the whole concept of is something urgent or is it important? And again, maybe for most of your listeners, they think, oh man, that's easy. But for me, it was really something that in the last five years, I had to really take a hard look at and start to think about how something like that fits into my life to make me a better, you know, partner, a better officer, a better leader. Um, because honestly, to me, historically, everything always seemed urgent. This task needs to be done. This project needs to be done. I've got to apply for this grant, what have you. But if it was work-related, it was all urgent. Everything's on fire right now. Ashley's making wipe off boards of crazy to-do lists and it's all getting done one way or another. 
But in reality, just because something is important doesn't mean it's urgent. And I really had to start thinking about those things. So I think I've gotten a lot better. I'm still very much a work in progress, but I've focused a lot on getting better of, of deciphering between those two things and even breaking it down further, right? You know, what are the urgents? What are the importance? But then within those important things, how do those rack and stack and what they need to get done and, and kind of the why behind it all? Um, and I really sit there and ask myself, well, why is this urgent? And usually it's urgent because I've committed to some sort of deadline. Whoever the receiver is, is a, you know, maybe a, a stakeholder or someone that is, um, you know, something where whatever I produce, other things are going to depend on that, right? Chain effect. Yeah, absolutely, right? I never want to be that that weak link in a chain that doesn't, um, you know, meet a suspense state, do my part and let the world keep kind of spinning. Um, and those are the more urgent things. But you know, if something exists and it's unsolved, for example, this... Um, I mentioned briefly, you know, wanting to start my degree in computer programming. That's something that certainly is going to affect me in my career. But that application process, all of those things that come along with it fall in the, you know, maybe mid-important category. Not something that's going to, the world is going to stop, you know. But it also extends to things at home as well or things in my personal life, right? If I say I'm calling my grandmother, you know, and this may be different across people. But if I have to call my grandmother that day, you better believe that's in the urgent category. That's a, the world's on fire. I better do this or Ash is in some big trouble. So <laughs> it extends personal and, um, and work. And it's, it's something that I think really has improved my life because it's given me per- perspective for sure. No, perspective is, is one of those things, right? You, you have to take time to stop and reflect on an instant or an event to really kind of deeply understand it, especially when it comes to like failure, which kind of segues into the next question is, what would you say has been a failure that's led to your greatest success? Yeah, so this is an easy one because it has pained for a long time. I felt like it haunted me. I'm in a much more, you know, now that I've seen how my career has developed, I'm in a, in a much more positive place about it. But uh, so when I was um, in undergrad, I had a very clear idea of what kind of PhD program I was going to go into. I was very much so looking far into my future and wanting to go to the military, but I, I was on a psychology path and people who are listening to your podcast that may also be undergraduate degree holders in, in psychology or something similar is usually the path you go down if you want your PhD is you go to clinical psychology PhD programs. Those programs over the years have just gotten increasingly competitive, increasingly competitive. And the last time I checked the numbers... They're actually more competitive to get into than, than medical school now. And that just has to do with the number of slots that are usually available are very low. And I mean, sometimes one slot among 800 applicants for the top schools, maybe two. Um, and that's because when you get into those programs, you're fully funded. So you are um, supporting the research of a department and in and, and receipt back, you're getting your education paid for, you're getting stipends, you're, you're just getting so much opportunity. So they're extremely difficult to get into. And, you know, at the age that I was applying those programs, I was confident in myself and my packet. My mentors were confident in me as well, which was wonderful. But I did not take the right approach to how I went through that process. Ashley at 21 was like, okay, I'm a hard worker. I can get anything done by being a hard worker. I've, you know, worked my butt off in undergrad. So I I can do this. 
and I applied to the 18 most competitive schools in the United States. I just got the list and I was like, let's do this. Let's go. <laughs> I, yep. And I spent a year of my life. So I actually wasn't in school for one year. I was finishing a post-bac program and I did that specifically to dedicate a lot of my time to applying to these very time intensive um, application processes. I was rejected flat out from 16 schools <laughs> and operational environment were just, <laughs> um, I was rejected from 16 schools and I was waitlisted at two and I was crushed in a way that I had not experienced at that point in my life. I thought everything was over. I couldn't figure out how I had worked so hard and put poured myself into these applications and the essays and everything that went into it for nothing in return, right? I did, I, I try really hard not to use the word failure anymore, but absolutely would have labeled it as that. I failed. Yeah, it's a devastating blow. Absolutely. It, it, it was debilitating. I had no idea what I was going to do because for me, there was no plan B in that. And I was going to eventually go to the military. But, you know, once I picked myself up off the ground and, and actually my mentor, like picking me up off the ground and being like, all right, let's, let's figure this out because this isn't helping. Right. We've, 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 we've grieved, we've kicked and screamed and we've hated the world. And now let, what's next though. So I, we, we started working backwards from the end goal. We started saying, well, what, do you, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? And what I wanted to do was to have a research program that I felt would benefit the military. And when we looked at it, at that point in my life, I had studied sleep disturbances in the military. I had studied post-traumatic stress disorder in the military. And we said, okay, well, what else is going right now on the military landscape in terms of um, overall health, behavioral health, that can make me a more marketable um, candidate? for the, the 71 Foxtrot career path in the military. And the answer was traumatic brain injury. At the time, that was all you were hearing about, right? Our soldiers were, our soldiers were experiencing combat, were coming back with TBIs, and we knew nothing about the long-term effects of that on our men and women. So I ended up figuring out, okay, well, what do I have to do to become a, a subject matter expert in this? How do I add this tool to my, my toolkit? And right at the University of Pittsburgh, this is why my ghost is going to haunt the hallways of the University of Pittsburgh, right down the hill from the School of Medicine, we had a, um, uh, a rehabilitation and health sciences program where you could focus on traumatic brain injury. And you could focus on the functional outcomes that come from that. You could focus on prognosis and recovery. And it was partnered with our military research laboratory on campus. So I went and applied to that program and I got in and I ended up, instead of going straight into the PhD program, I did my master's first so I could build some clinical skills. And then I went into the PhD program there. And that, you know, we'll call it for the sake of the question, failure. The redirection I was able to, to add the opportunity to take as a result of that failure, by and far, now that I can see what I see now in my life, you know, well, 10 years later, 11 years later, was absolutely the more optimal path for me. Now that I know what I know now, had I gone that clinical psychology path, I actually would have ended up in a different um, job in the military where I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And that would make, you know, if I could see that, it would 
really, uh, it would disappoint me because what I do right now affords me all the opportunities that I had envisioned at, you know, 22, but I didn't know that I was on a path that wasn't going to probably lead me there. So that redirection changed everything. It helped. I made, um, lifelong connections within the military because of that program. It, it helped me stand out in the application process more because it was a, a unique program people weren't going into. And, and I think about it all the time, <laughs> how grateful I am that that, that should happen because it's been really meaningful for, for my career. And I'm always super grateful what that did. And it's, it's very fascinating to be at those forks in the road and be like, I don't, I don't know. And then it's just like, well, what's next? And then you just start going down that path and it, it leads to something so great. What you've been able to do and give back is absolutely incredible. Just in three years being in the military, you've already kind of touched upon like, you know, always moving the needle and getting better. But what would you say makes you better than yesterday? What makes me better than yesterday? You know, I guess I'm still thinking in the, still thinking in the, you know, failure kind of discussion, but, you know, I think every day, every day when you wake up, everybody talks about it or not everybody, right? But we kind of talk about it as it's a new day for opportunity, right? Every day is a new day for opportunity. I believe that, but every day is a new day for mistakes. And I firmly believe that I have learned so much more from the things I have not done right or well or a than I have from the things that I've done well every day. You know, it's easy to do things well. It's easy to get up every day and have your boss tell you you did something great and that feels good. But man, when you do something, if, when something turns out not the way you hoped or when you try something and you, you, know, you make a mistake or you fail and you really have to sit there and ask, go back and ask yourself, what could I have done differently? How did that go wrong? Why did that go wrong? And, and if I had to redo it, which you know, you don't get to redo things in life, right? You just move forward. But if I had that opportunity again, what am I going to do to succeed, be more efficient, help somebody out more, whatever it may be. So I think I'm better today because every day before me, I get another day to make a mistake and learn from it forward. And it sounds kind of corny, but as a young officer in the army, you're making mistakes all the time, all the time. But that's where you do the most growing, I think. So I'm not afraid of that anymore. And I think, um, especially my situation with the PhD programs, I was terrified to not do something correct, right. And the standards I had set for those things. And you can't really do that when you're in the military. You're going to screw up all the time. That's okay. Regardless of rank or age, you're going to make mistakes. Absolutely. They have consequences. And you're going to have to face them. But man, it's really easy to go through life and do everything right all the time. I mean, I don't know who does that. Maybe you. No, yeah, I feel like you always not, make the right choices. I, I fall on my face <laughs> daily and I look forward to it. Yeah, you just got to gotta roll with it. I just think you become, you become a better leader and I think a more um, relatable leader if you can just be open about those, those things. So um, yeah, I think that's how I'm better than yesterday. Hopefully how I'll be better tomorrow. I can't, I, I can't say anything like talking about being a great leader, like your vulnerability that you've displayed here in our conversation is just like my jaws on the floor. Like you are awesome. And just when I need another way to just hold you to a higher degree, like you just exceed. So Ashley, thank you so much. I'll get out of here.
<laughs> where can people go to like reach out to you, find out more what you're doing? Where, where are they looking to find you? That's a great question. I think I might be, God, I'm not cool. I'm not cool. So I'm not a big social media person. I have a personal social media for Instagram. It's probably not worth sharing, but I don't really have anything professionally like that. So in all honesty, if somebody wanted to reach out to me, I think, you know, old school email probably be the best. We'll we'll make sure we link your email in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. We can definitely do that. I apologize. I'm not a cool social media person. I just don't think my life's cool enough to like what I do. <laughs> you know, in the words of Kanye West and knowing you for so long, right? Your life is dope and you do dope shit. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story, really opening it up, everything and just laying it all out there for us. Thank you so much for having our six. Oh gosh. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, Sixers. This episode comes to you thanks to the great people over at 10,000. 10,000 makes the best training gear, hands down, across the board. And my favorite are the tactical shorts. The tack line at 10,000 is incredible. Ultra light and durable. The waistband is tough as nails. Zippers never stick. I can't say enough great things about the 10,000 shorts. They come in five and seven inch inseams, depending on how long you like your shorts. And of course, my favorite is OD Green. If you go to 10,000.cc and use the promo code GOTYOUR6, it's got your and the number six at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order. That's 10,000.cc, not .com. Use the promo code gotcha 6 for 15% off. Six is running a new segment in a couple episodes, and I'm super excited about it. Talking to all these incredible high performers, I've realized we need to stack the wins to achieve massive success. And I want you to know I have your back in these accomplishments. Let me know. Go to either Twitter or Instagram. Got your six pod with the number six. There's a Google form there. Let me know a win you or somebody else recently experienced and deserves some recognition. I want you to know I'm stacking the wins with you each episode. So we'll give you a little shout out at the end of each episode. Just so you know, we got your six. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers. But the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Gotcha 6 podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.